Hello again, it's the 18th of December and welcome again to Here Comes Christmas. Just a week to go now. Is that right? Uh, well, uh, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, I'm losing track of days, times, <laughs> yes, so everything do think, really. Do you think we ought to do something to try to get in the Christmas spirit? What would we normally do at this time of year? Well, we'd normally be doing concerts and carol services and just singing a lot of carols, wouldn't we? OK, so all that's out of the window this year. Well, yes and no. We are doing midnight, so... OK. That is something to look forward to on Christmas Eve and outside services on Christmas morning. Oh, well, OK, good. I tell you what, something we haven't done. Mm. We, haven't, we haven't had any mince pies this year. Well, it's because you told me not to buy any. Oh, well, that could be something to do with it. Shall I tell you a couple of useless mince pie facts? Go on then. Okay. Well, first of all, it's considered uh, lucky to eat a mince pie on each of the 12 days of Christmas. All right. But did you know it could actually be illegal to eat mince pies on Christmas Day in England? <laughs> because. Why? Apparently in 1650-ish, uh, Oliver Cromwell decided it would be against the law to indulge in Christmas gluttony. So he banned eating mince pies and plum pudding and anything slightly festive. Mm. And uh, Yeah, the law didn't actually last long in practice, but it, it's never been formally repealed. I think nowadays it's practically compulsory to eat mince pies on Christmas Day. Well, uh, yes. But actually, mince pies are very fattening, aren't they? They are. Perhaps mm. they should be banned. <laughs> OK, what uh, interesting stuff happened on this day in history? Well, we got tons and tons of premieres, which is very exciting. Premieres of films. Uh, well, all sorts of things. So it was Bruckner's Eighth Symphony, which is a fantastic work, but we'll, we'll gloss over that. It was the first performance of Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. Both of these things happened on the same day in 1892. Right. Isn't that amazing? Cashing in on the Christmas market. Well, I mean, the Nutcracker is just the ballet, isn't it, that is performed all over the world. And it just won't be, will it, this year? Apparently, it actually wasn't much of a success on its opening. No, uh, no. It was panned quite a bit. The, the, mm -hmm. the Nutcracker suite they took from it was quite successful. But the ballet took a long while to take off. But apparently, with lots of ballet companies today, it's actually the work which brings in a huge part of their income for the whole year and then when they do it every year. I can imagine that. And a few years ago, we went up to London, didn't we, to the Royal Opera House, and we saw them doing it there. And it was a very magical experience, wasn't it? The whole thing. I'd never been to the Royal Opera House before. They do it quite well at the Royal Opera House. <laughs> I think they've got the knack of it by now. <laughs> yes. yes, yeah. I wonder if it was panned because Tchaikovsky was not flavour of the month, was he? Mm. So that could be some of the reason. But, uh, you know, the music and everything is just glorious, isn't it? Melody after melody. Anything else premiered on um, this day? Yeah, it was the premiere of um, The Pink Panther oh, yes. in 1963 with Peter Sellers in and David Niven. Oh, good old names that are no longer with us. And, of course, the music by um, Henry Mancini. So everybody learning the saxophone always plays the Pink Panther melody on it. Mm. Do you know where the Pink Panther comes from? I don't. It comes from Durham. Durham, Durham, oh, Durham, Durham, Durham. I thought you'd save that till the end. <laughs> <laughs> There's worse to come. 
Okay, so yeah, a lot of films premiered before Christmas, understandably mm. catching the Christmas market. Do you think though that cinema is going to survive this year? I mean, there are so many films stacked up waiting to be released in yeah. the new year, aren't there? Including the big James Bond one. Yeah, mm. and lots of superhero movies apparently that are waiting in the wings right. to come. Yeah. But I, I mean, unless the cinemas can reopen shortly, the, the likelihood is that we're going to lose that kind of entertainment altogether and any other films which just have to be viewed online or on television. Mm. So uh, one of the films which was released some time ago, 1966, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Um, an adaption of the famous Dr. Seuss story. Yep. So we've got a reading, haven't we? We have, yes. So just a reminder then, the, the Grinch was a, a grumpy old character who wanted to do away with Christmas. And he had a plan to steal all of the the toys and the goodies and the things from the people of Whoville in the valley from where he lived. But at the end of the story, he realises that maybe there's something more to Christmas. So here's Chris with a little section from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, and then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It could be so, but it was merry, very. We started down to Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hasn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came out without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Thank you very much to Chris. Now, a little while ago, well, actually, is probably getting on for 20 years ago. <laughs> we, I had the idea of doing a, a mad uh, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem and putting an incredible accompaniment with it. Oh Little Town of Bethlehem needs a bit of stirring up. Yes, I think it's stirred to the point of a tsunami, really. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a recording by a school that we did some work with where we mm. used to live in Leicestershire. And this is... Oh, little town of Bethlehem meets Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, it's really good to sing along to, isn't it? Because it goes at a good pace and everything, and it's completely mad. I don't think that the the junior school nativity play will ever quite be the same again. <laughs> Um, yes, so it's very exciting today. Do you know why? Why is that? Well, because we have heard on the grapevine that Santa is going to be going through Ubley Village Ubbly on Village. Sunday. Near yeah, us. I know, I know. Gosh, it's very exciting indeed. We have three villages that we're involved with along this valley, and we live in Compton Martin, and then there's Ubley, and then there's Blackton. And a group of young mums have got together to organise a play area in Ubley, and it's going to be a just an area with coffee tables, with play equipment outside on the glebe behind the church that people can go and have a bit of an R&R. It's costing a lot of money. And so on Sunday, they're going to have a, a drive through with Santa on his sleigh through the village, which is jolly exciting. Mm-hmm. So let's hear Ruth talk about it all. Play Area Group is a small group of volunteers, mainly made up of mums who all live in the village of Ubley, but we also have a grandparent on our group as well who's a very active member. And we decided a couple of years ago that we really needed a play area in Ubley, mainly to stop us all driving to other play areas in local villages nearby, but also because we wanted to do something for the wider community as well and it not just be a space for families to enjoy but a space just for local villagers to enjoy. So as part of our plans we want to include some picnic tables and to have some local flower beds that people can attend to and to really make it because it's so connected to the church to really make it a you know a community area for everybody to enjoy. That's wonderful because you're going to get people on board, aren't you, with that? Because it's for people of all ages. Exactly. The the social isolation that's connected to small villages is something that we're really concerned about in Ubley. And also to, you know, promote that young and old coming together and it, to be a space for everybody to enjoy. So has this social isolation, has it got worse during this year? I definitely think that a lot of people have been spending more time on their own, um, but also they haven't felt safe or comfortable in going out and socialising and they're spending more and more time just stuck in their houses so to be able to have somewhere they can walk to that's safe and secure they can sit and enjoy a cup of coffee and chat with someone on an adjacent table which is two metres apart that would be ideal definitely. So what is your timetable with this? Well, we have been massively delayed due to COVID, which is really unfortunate, but we've put our heads together and we've created lots of activities over the last month that have all been in line with government guidelines. And we're really hopeful that we really want to start phase one of our plans um, in the spring. And that will allow for the groundwork to be completed, for some of the flooring to be finalised. And our first piece of player equipment, which is a really exciting and an extravagant castle that has like a climbing frame attached some areas where the children can just like hide and play and a a slide on the other side so yeah that is that is phase one along with the picnic tables and we're hoping that will happen in the spring how much are you looking to raise all together well we need to raise uh, really for phase one we need to have about twenty thousand pounds so it's quite an ambitious target 
and we're we're nearly at the 7k mark so we're nearly at that halfway point we are also in the process of applying for charity status to try and um that boost some of the the grants that we can apply for but anybody's welcome to put forward ideas or you know come and join in with us on one of our at the moment our zoom meetings <laughs> your, your children could be taking their children to it in the future. Which and that would be wonderful. Lovely. That would be really nice. And there is a little coffee van, isn't there, now on the main road? We do, yeah. It's yeah, we there. do have our little coffee van now, which is fantastic. <laughs> and it's really great that they've been able to stay open, um, particularly during the second lockdown, um, because obviously they're outside and everyone's social distance, etc. Um, but it's just nice to, to know now that there are places that we can walk to. We, you know, we all have a strong environmental concern and we try our best. Also, the church have been really supportive of us as well. And they obviously had a really big uh, refurbishment um, a couple of years ago when they put in the toilet and the baby change facilities. And they've also got a little tea and coffee station inside the church that they've said we're welcome to use. And I think that's really important too, because if you just want to you know, go and have a quiet time in the church and have a cup of coffee there. But then, you know, hear people outside and be able to just go out and join in if you want to. Yes, and, the, and there's no pub, is there, in Ubley? No. <laughs> it's really good that the church is putting itself there at the heart of the community, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Mm. Tell me about Father Christmas on Sunday. Well, this is very exciting. One of our members of our group is connected to Father Christmas and has got elf status. And so Jo, who her human name, she put out a little post recently that revealed one of our plans, which is that we have had words of Father Christmas and he has agreed to do a little flyby through Ubley in a very special sleigh on the 20th of December. So yes, if you're local to Ubley and you live in the village, you all you need to do is just listen out for the music and the bells, come out to your doorsteps and you will see Father Christmas. Yeah, and it's just our way as well as being able to just um, give a little bit back to the community and say thank you for all their continued support. It's going to be a nice event to, to have that Christmas spirit in Ubley. Well, that's all jolly exciting. I'll be there with my reindeer carrots <laughs> and my shovel. <laughs> Are reindeer carrots different to donkey carrots? Absolutely, yes. Right, they they okay. sparkle magically. They, uh, uh, they are fuel for flying, so they have right. to be extra special. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, shall we hear from Simon now with his next verse from St Luke's Gospel? As we've reached the 18th day of Advent, we continue with chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. When the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and saw the baby lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw him, they told them what the angel had said about the child. Here's the question thought. Imagine you being one of the shepherds. Would you have been curious to go and see if what the angels said was true? Or would you think you've just had a bad dream or too much to drink? This is my take. Yes, the response of the shepherds was to go and see if what they had been told was true. 
Mind you, having just had an angelic experience as that, it would be a brave shepherd, a brave anyone, I think, who doubted what they had said. So they go off, chattering to each other. They find Mary, Joseph and the child, and they report the experience they had had on the hillside. For a moment, imagine walking into this room where animals are kept. Seeing an ordinary young couple next to a trough in which their newborn child is laid. Just gaze for a moment. Just marvel. And remember. Here, at this moment in the story, at the centre of this birth scene, the emphasis falls on the confirmation of the things that have been spoken to the shepherds and to Mary and Joseph. To the shepherds, the child in the manger was assigned to them that they had found the child of whom the angel had spoken, and they reported this to all who were there. This is where the story reveals to all who will listen. The child is the Messiah. Thank you very much to Simon. And it's time to go again. So, uh, I'll be dashing off to get those mince pies I talked about earlier. All right. I thought you were going to say to catch a sleigh. Right, we could catch a sleigh. I was wondering, actually, where does Santa live? The North Pole. You know, a lot of people think that there's not much difference between the North Pole and the South Pole. I think there's a world of difference between them. (laughs) Yes. So, um, okay, folks, good to see you again. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. And uh, Take care, one and all. Bye for now. Bye-bye.